0: And if you would mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament passage of First Kings, the book of First Kings and chapter number nineteen. The book of First Kings and chapter number nineteen. We're in between um, series messages. We'll continue back on Sunday morning with our regular series. But we want it to be an encouragement to you. And try to be a blessing as we examine someone in the Old Testament who was in a deep depression. Who was at his lowest frame. And see what God taught this preacher. To be an encouragement to him so he could go on another day. So he could take on another step. So that way he could go beyond those steps and continue with the rest of his life. A principle that we all have to learn if we are going to be sustainable inside of what God has given us to do. As a reminder that the ministry is a marathon and not a 50-yard dash. That short burst most people can do. But it's the long haul that matters, that consistent life, step after step after step after step. And one thing is true is that we cannot live the Christian life on our own. It is absolutely impossible. And we see that lesson being taught and learned in the book of 1 Kings in chapter number 19. The book of 1 Kings chapter 19, and notice with me in verse number 1. 1 Kings chapter 19 in verse number 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, He arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my fathers. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of the meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And if you're in habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a passage in the book of First Kings chapter 19? The book of First Kings chapter 19, and notice with me at the end of verse 7, the journey is too great for thee. The journey is too great for thee you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, I'm asking that you would just give us wisdom, that you would give us discernment, and that Lord, you would give medical spiritual treatment to someone who may need it tonight. That you would give them what they need to continue to go forward. You'd give them what they need to have the strength to continue to move forward and survive the life that we have to live and not just survive, but thrive. Help us to understand the secret of this strength. Help us to understand where it comes from and let us see, Lord, what you have to say, understanding that the journey is too great for us. Help us even now with much discernment. I depend upon your Holy Spirit to do a work. I pray for you to do something amazing tonight. Life-changing, perhaps, for someone at the sound of my voice. Lord, just do a work. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. There is no sight so sad than to see a great man crushed. Elijah, right now, was underneath a juniper tree. He's depressed, so depressed that he's asking God to take his life. But just a few days before this, he was on Mount Carmel and he prayed before all the people and had the fire of God come. You see, what happened is that Jezebel and Ahab were the current rulers, and Jezebel was not so much anti-God, meaning that she wanted to get rid of God as much as she was replacing God. She was very religious. She had 400 personal preachers whose job was to attend to her. None of you are that spiritual where you need 400 preachers, do you? She was very religious. On top of that, they had 450 prophets of Baal. And so when Elijah stood before them, he had the count of 850 opposing preachers who were against him. And he stood before them. He stood before them all and they had the God off where they said, all right, you build an altar and we build an altar. You pray and I pray and the God who rains down fire, that is the real God. Before they started, got started, he looked to all the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? Basically, you need to pick a side. You can't just ride the fence. You need to pick a side. Who is God? Pick you this day. And they answered him, Not a word. And so he gave the floor to the 450 prophets of Baal. And what happened is that they built their own altar. And they prayed for their God to bring down fire. And nothing happened. Elijah started to get some jabs in and started making fun of him. Said, hey, where's your God? Is he napping? Is he sleeping? Is he on a walk? Maybe you need to wake him up. And so they started to get crazy. They began to take knives and stand on the altar. Now again, what are they trying to get to do? Fire to come down from heaven. And they're standing on it. Cutting themselves. Pouring blood on it. Praying that their God brings down Fire. Hopefully with them's in the way, I guess. I don't know. And uh, nothing happened. Finally, at the evening time, Elijah had given them all day. And Elijah says, all right, get back. And with just a small prayer, he prayed to God. And God brought down fire and lapped up everything, including the water that was poured on the altar to prove that there was no tricks to it. And when that happened, the people finally were spurned and they killed the 450 prophets of Baal. The other 400 prophets of Jezebel got away. But that was a great victory. People were shouting, people were cheering. And now he's underneath a juniper tree. And now everything is different. Ahab went and told his wife, but do you, know, do you know? and she sent a nasty gram and said, If Elijah is not dead by this time tomorrow, the gods do so to me. And you know, it's amazing that Elijah could stand before 850 opposing preachers. He could stand before King Ahab, but one letter from Jezebel was enough to send him tuck-tail and run. What happened? Well, there's a different principle that we need to learn from time to time, is that oftentimes, from our greatest victories come our greatest defeats. Why? Because we relax and take off the spiritual armor. We relax and uh, think that the great fight's done, and not realizing that the fight continues on. And he took off his spiritual armor and he was weak, and just at that one time, it was weak. He realized that he failed. He realized that things messed up, and now he's ready to quit. Now he's just tired. He is done. He's so discouraged that he asked God to kill him. An awful time now. He asked his servant to stay and he goes another day's journey. He's trying to make sure that he's alone so no one can talk him out of it. God, I just want you to kill me. God, I'm so done. God, I can't go on anymore. I can't do it anymore. And by the way, he is absolutely right. He can't do it anymore. God tells him, for the journey is too great. For thee. If you don't mind, let's examine this passage and let's learn a little bit more of this principle that God was teaching that the journey is too great for thee. The first thing I'd like to bring to your attention from the life of Elijah is the secret of this man's strength. The secret of this man's strength. Of course, He does not look strong here. In fact, notice with me as we get a recap. Notice in verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also if I make not thy life as one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba. What he did is he went to a country to the south, hoping to hide from the jurisdiction of Ahab and Jezebel, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat underneath a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough. It is enough. Have you ever been to that place where you said, it's enough. I'm done. I can't go on. He says, oh Lord, take away my life. There may be some of you have been to that place where you said, Lord, just kill me. Just put me out of my misery. I don't want to be here anymore. He says, for I am not better than my fathers. And as he lay down and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. Here he's exhausted emotionally. He's exhausted physically. He's exhausted mentally. He's exhausted spiritually. God takes him and allows him to rest. Notice verse number 5. And as he lay upon a juniper tree, then behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Here he was under the emergency care of an angel. Verse number six and he looked and behold there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head and he did eat and drink and lay him down again you know God knows the severity of our needs he knows what we need and what he needs to take care of us he knows that when times it's good enough for birds to take care of us he knows there are times that it's widows that need to take care of us and there are times that it needs to be the supernatural strength of an angel God allows Elijah to rest and rest again. And they'll talk later. Isn't God such a good, patient God is that he didn't shake Elijah and say, what are you thinking, man? Come on, uh, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Come on. He understood that at that time, Elijah needed to rest. We'll correct thinking later, rest. We understand that physical rest is an important thing. And God, who knows our frame, knows us better than us, knew that Elijah needed to be resting. Give him some food. Give him some rest. We'll talk later. And he let him rest. Now, we look at this man and we know that God sits and says, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. He gives him this emergency care. But as we're looking at this man, we're reminded that just earlier he was... This strength, where was the secret of his strength? God had said the journey was too great for thee, and that was true. We know that Elijah was mightily used. We know that it wasn't Elijah's power, but it was God's power. What was the secret of his strength? The secret of his strength is that he learned to live in the presence of God. He learned to live in the presence of God. In fact, notice if you don't mind in 2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings 17. Let me show you this. 2 Kings chapter 17. He lived in the presence of God. Notice with me in 2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings 17. Notice with me in verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand. Notice, the same time Elijah is standing in the presence of the king, he is also standing in the presence of God. The presence of God changes everything. If you know that God is with you, you can face anything. It was the secret of his strength. It wasn't Elijah alone. It was God standing with him. He was in the presence of God. That changes everything. You know, the journey is too great for us, for us to try to do, win people to the Lord all by ourselves. One of the wonderful phrases in the gospel record of Mark is said, the Lord working with them. He didn't send them all by themselves. He went with them. That's the whole secret of the Christian life. It is too big for you. It is too much for you. The journey is too great for you. You have to have the presence of God. That is the secret of the strength. It is a foolish person who thinks they could live the Christian life without Christ. It is the foolish person who thinks that they could do things for themselves. We know that as we're talking about depression and we have to bring up other clinical terms, there's another word, worldly word, word that comes up that's called burnout. Be careful of burnout, be careful of burnout. What is the Bible equivalent? What is the Bible phrase for it? The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. What is burnout? It's trying to do God's work in your own strength. It is impossible, and you will destroy yourself. If you try to live the Christian life without Christ, you, it is too much for you. The journey is too great for you. You cannot do it yourself. It is impossible. I mean, just think about a normal day dealing with crazy people and not snapping someone's neck. It's so true. The journey is too great for thee. How do I deal with everyone and still... Have a good attitude. How do I deal with all the people and still have a smile on my face? How do I deal with all these people and still be joyful in my own soul? The presence of God. God with me. I cannot live the Christian life on my own. And anytime that I attempt to, I will fail. And I'll fail spectacularly. I'll fail marvelously. I'll fail in such a way that people go, ooh, and awe. And I'll destroy everything. The journey is too great for thee. You cannot live it in your own life. To look at trying to live the life on your own. In your own strength is too daunting. It's impossible. It is impossible to live a Christian life every day. With peace in my heart and still be kind to all the fools. The journey is too great for thee. What is the secret of Elijah? He learned to face everything With the presence of God. That God was with him. Each victory in the Christian life is won in the presence of Jesus Christ. Notice something else here. In verse number 2. 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17. And notice with me in verse 2. Right after he talks to Ahab. And the word of the Lord came unto him, Elijah saying, "Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward and hide thyself." So in second 2 first kings, first King 172 through3, he says, "God says, "Hide thyself." Notice with me in chapter 18, verse one. And it came to pass after many days that the word came to Elijah in the third year, saying, "Go show thyself." So in first Kings 17, He said, hide thyself. And 1 Kings 18, he said, show thyself. Our problem is that we try to show ourselves before we hide ourselves in God. What we are is not what we are in public. What we are is what we are in private. In fact, hold your finger here. Let's see this again in the New Testament. The gospel record of Mark, chapter number three. The gospel record of Mark, chapter three. This is the secret of spiritual strength. Is hiding ourselves in the Lord. Having the presence of God. Going with God. And not doing it ourselves. For the journey is too great for thee. Notice as Jesus is calling the disciples unto himself. The gospel record of Mark chapter 3. Notice with me in starting at verse 13. The gospel record of Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. And he, that's Jesus, goeth... Mark chapter 3, starting at verse 13, and he, Jesus, goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came to him. And he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that they might send them forth to preach. Oftentimes when we see Mark three 14, we'll ask people, why did Jesus call the disciples to himself? And they'll say, so he could send them forth to preach. That is the wrong answer. Why did he ordain the twelve? That they should be with him. That was the whole secret of spiritual strength. To be with him. You see until they had been with him. They had nothing to preach. Until they had been with him. They don't have the power to go. Until they had been with him. there is nothing that they can do. For the journey is too great for them. This is the secret to spiritual strength. Is the presence of God. Being with him. And as we have the presence of God. Then we will have the spiritual strength. To face the things that are too big for us. For the journey is too great for thee. This is that spiritual secret. The journey is too great for thee. To be strong in the Lord. Means that we need to be acquainted with our weaknesses. God wants us to realize we need him. And then learn to live consciously in the presence of the Lord. He had to, Elijah had to learn to hide himself in the Lord. To be with him. What is the secret? It's your personal walk with God. Your Bible reading. Your devotional life. Your prayer life. To be with him. Until you've been with him, you have nothing to say and you have no power. But when you have God's presence, you can face anything and expect victories. Because it's God that wins the victories. What is the secret of this man's strength? The presence of God. Which now brings us to something else. The still small voice. The still small voice. Notice with me as we go back to us to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Let's pick it up in verse number eight. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb the mount of God. And he came thither to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Elijah. At some time in our life, we will find ourselves broken. That's part of the Christian life. There has to be that brokenness. Because it's that brokenness that we realize how big of a God, God really is. Until we have that brokenness, we're still trying to survive in our own strength and our own ability. That brokenness is key. Because it's at that brokenness, we see God's sufficiency. And we see who he is. You know there was a time where Peter was broken. Remember when he stood and looked at Jesus after he denied Jesus thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. And the gospel record of Mark chapter 16. When Jesus arose from the grave he said tell the disciples and Peter. Why did Peter need that extra encouragement? Because he knew he messed up. He knew he failed. He was a broken man. And he needed to be rebuilt. He needed to see God's sufficiency at that time. This brokenness, we cannot get away with it. Because we have to be able to see God's sufficiency in our weakness. So God probes Elijah and says, what doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? So God's left him alone. He's let him heal, let him get some rest. And now that he's getting rest, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Notice what Elijah's answer is. Not quite broken yet. Notice with me in verse 10. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. Thrown down thy altars. Slain those prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. He says, I've done my best and now they want to kill me. I've done all this stuff. I've done, I'm the only one who stood for you. The journey is too great for thee. He's noticing all that he can do and all of his strength and everything he's done for God. And he's not seeing God's sufficiency. Here, Elijah needs to be broken even more. He needs to see the sufficiency of Christ. And that it is not him, it is God. So, because he's not done yet, that wasn't the right answer. God says, all right, let's teach you the right answer. And so, notice what God does. Notice in verse 11. And he, God said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before him. But the Lord was not in the wind. So he goes outside and he says, all right, Elijah, hold on. And he sends this mighty wind that actually causes like a little mini avalanche. Rocks are being flown before. And I mean, it is a strong mountain wind. And whoa, can you imagine big boulders coming and you're holding on? But then notice what God says, but the Lord was not in the wind. Then God sends an earthquake. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. So imagine you see these rocks and the wind just blowing and you're holding on. And just when the rocks settle, all of a sudden an earthquake happens. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake, but the higher in elevation you are, the more you feel it. So if you're in a storied building and you have an earthquake, the building shakes a lot more than it does on the base. Well, can you imagine being up on the mountain? And the hole starts shaking. I meant to have the floor rolling under you. This is a big deal. And so the wind was bad enough, but now we've got an earthquake. But again, God says, the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12, and after the earthquake, a fire. Now, this isn't just a fire. This is like the fire that Elijah had prayed just 40 something days earlier. When the fire of God came. A supernatural fire come down. It's not just a fire just burst up. Because of the earthquake. It is a supernatural heaven sent fire. And it comes down. And notice God's commentary on that. But the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire. A still small The first place God works is never out there. The first place God works is in here. So often we get to the place where we look for God's hand before we look for his face. We're trying to see if God will do something instead of be with him. That's one of the problems we have and why we don't have spiritual strength is because we're praying for God to do this and God to do this and God to change this and God to do this. And we don't listen for God here and we don't spend time with God. We don't have his presence and thus we don't see God's working because he will not work out there until he's in here. Until there's the presence of God in here. That still small voice. You know that still small voice is one that doesn't scream for attention. That still small voice is one that you have to listen to. That still small voice comes in the middle of a loud audience. You have to listen for it. And you have to be still. And you have to be purposefully listening to it. You will not listen to it by accident. And you will not hear it by distractions. That still small voice. And that still small voice is usually what we're missing. Because things are so loud around us. All we can see is this person needs this, and this person needs this, and this needs to be done, and this has to be done, and this has to be done, and we need this shook it up, and we need this, and we look at all the things, and we don't spend time with God and allow God to speak. Even in our prayer lives, we are so loud that we talk at God, but we don't talk with God. Why do we say that? Because we don't allow God to have time to speak back. There should be a time in proper closet prayer where you who just are silent and allow God to tell us what he wants to do. And there's a waiting on God period because God wants to see if you really want to hear I'm going to wait for mom to speak. Oh, I gave her two seconds. Nope. Okay, I'll do whatever I want. God wants to see if you're willing to listen. And sometimes he wants to see if you're going to stick around until he speaks. Remember that the journey is too great for thee. And that the whole secret of Elijah's strength was the presence of God. And the presence of God comes... Not in the earthquake, not in the wind, not in the fire, but the still small voice. Being with him. The thing that we most neglect explains why we are so powerless. Which is a shame because God is so powerful. Is that we fail to spend time with him and we fail to listen to him. We failed to be with him. The still. Small. Voice. Remember that God doesn't kill. Our Pharaohs. He goes with us. To face. Our Pharaohs. God could have killed Pharaoh. In Moses's day. But God got a lot more glory. And praise and remembrance. Because God went with. Moses to face the Pharaoh. What can a man not go through if he knows that God is with him? Spurgeon once said this, no pain, no prayer. You see Elijah had to be broken down even more to regain that presence with God. To learn how to be with God. And to learn his presence and his still small voice. Why? Because the journey was too great for him. And he could not go do it in his own strength. He did not have the power to do it. He was unable to change anything by his force and will alone. He had to learn to be with God, he had to learn how to hide himself in God once again. The secret of this man's strength is that the presence of God. And it was the still small voice because the journey was too great for thee. There's one more thing that God points out to him in dealing with this idea of this strength of the journey's too great for thee. is the 7,000 that did not bow the knee. Once again... God gives Elijah a test to see if he learned his lesson. And like most of us, didn't learn the lesson. You would think that seeing all the fire and God and the wind, and then finally the still small voice that Elijah would get it. But there's something about when we get to that depressed state that it is hard for us to look beyond ourselves. And all we see is us, whether it's our successes and everybody else's failures, or our failures and everyone else around us. Notice in verse 13. And it was so when Elijah heard it, he wrapped up his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? God is speaking to him and he's trying to get the answer. What was he doing here, anyways? He was here. To learn how to hide himself from the Lord again, to learn to depend upon God in His presence because the journey was too great for them. Notice what He says. Like most of us, He doubles down on His answer. And He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken Thy covenant and thrown down Thine altars and slain Thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left that they seek My life to take it away. <laughs> Oh, he's got to this place. I'm the only one who's doing it right. I'm the only one who's staying with you. And all I'm getting for my troubles, heartache and pain. All I'm getting for is more people mad at me. All I'm getting for this. But I'm the only one, God. I'm, I'm the only one you can count on. I'm the only one you can call upon. It's up to me to get the job done. It's up to me to save the world. It's up to me to save the earth. It's up to me to get this done. It's up to me journey is too great for thee. So Elijah is given some orders and he's told that he has to go anoint a king over Syria. He was to anoint Judah to be over uh, uh, Jehu to be king over Israel. Then he was going to get a young man by the name of Elisha. And he was supposed to take this man and train him how to be his replacement. And then notice what he says in verse number 18. This is God (laughs) speaking to Elijah. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. All the knees which have not bowed to Baal. And every mouth which have not kissed him. What was this other principle here? There was 7,000 that didn't bow the knee. 7,000 that didn't bow the knee. And verse 14, this is still a sick man. A man of dust. A hurting man. He still needs some more divine medicine. So in order to help him out, he reminded him there was still more that haven't bowed the knee. A recent survey said 70% of the preachers who quit the ministry quits because nobody cares whether they live or die. That's just life in the ministry. It's lonely. And you can get to the Elijah syndrome. Where you feel like I'm the only one that's doing a job. And then you run smack into the truth. That the journey is too great for them. And if you think that you're the only one doing it. And then you realize that it's too great for you. The only choice is depression. Discouragement. To quit. It's not. All up to you. The journey is too great for thee. There are 7,000 that had have the, have the knee. So you know what God did to fix this? He said, alright, if you're the only one, then go get Elijah. Elisha. And I want you to disciple him. I want you to teach him everything that you know. Teach him how to be obedient. And I want you to teach him to do the same thing you're doing. So now there's not... Just you, because the journey is too great for thee, go disciple someone else. You train them up how to follow after me. And now you got two. And by the way, Elijah, just to let you know, there are 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee. That the journey is too great for thee, and it is too much for one man to handle. The work is certainly big, without a doubt. But the thing that we learn here is that all I have to do is what God has given me to do. It is not my job to take on the whole world. My job is to do only what God has given me to do. To do my part. And when all I have to do is my part, the work becomes manageable. It's none of my business if everybody else is doing their part. That's God's business. My job is to do what God has given me to do. And that's it. Cuz the journey is too great for thee. And if I do my part and I trust that God is doing having people to do their part, the work can be done. But if I feel like it's all dependent upon me, if I get to the place where it's only me, God, only I'm doing it, I'm heading to a disaster because the journey is too great for thee. You cannot live the Christian life on your own, and you cannot do God's work on your own. In fact, it is impossible for you to do God's work. Only God can do his work. He could use you as an instrument, though. The secret to this strength is hiding yourself in the Lord. Having his presence. And his presence doesn't come by the miracles and the things. It comes with being with him. And the work is too great for you. But let me tell you. You're not the only one doing it. And the only thing that you're supposed to do. Is what God has given you to do. If you take on someone else's load. It's too much. It's not what God's given you to do. The journey is too great for thee. This is meant to be an encouragement and try to do preventative maintenance so we don't have people quit. Because there are legitimate people who try all they can to do, to do God's work their way. And they burn out. And they fail. And they get discouraged. And they get depressed. And they quit. But the principle is, is that it's too great, bigger than any one of us. But if God is doing his work and we learn how to hide ourselves in him and we learn to get his presence and listen to that still, small voice and allow him to go with us and him to do the work and that there are more people out there than just us, then let me tell you, we should enjoy the journey. And we should be enjoying the journey. Because the work's greater than us. But all I'm supposed to do is what God has given me in his strength, his way. And I can enjoy the life that God's given. Are you enjoying the journey? Are you enjoying the life that God has given to you? Are you enjoying the Christian life that God has given to you? Maybe you're still at the basics where it says, listen, I don't enjoy my Bible reading. Let me tell you, you're missing out on a lot of strength. If you're at the place where you feel like I've got this, it's all on me. I can do it. You're, you're heading to a brick wall. The secret is not how strong I am, but rather how weak I am and I need Jesus.